You are listening to an eight-week teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled, The Lord's Prayer. The invitation from God is not into religion, but a relationship. And like any relationship, communication is vital to its success. This series explores Jesus' response to his disciples' desire to learn to pray. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Uh, we are going to continue our series. Uh, this is the final message in our series on the Lord's Prayer, and I want to talk about fasting, which is as delightful as it sounds. Uh, you know, just, you know, I know you're on the edge of your seat, but just relax, we'll, we'll get into it. And, uh, you know, I know you're probably new, you're thinking like, man, they're talking about giving, and now they want me not to eat food. I mean, what's going on? But here's what's going on. Our hope, and this is the reason why we're doing this series, is my hope for the people who, who go here, whether for the rest of their life, you know, whether it's 20 years, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever, uh, however much life God gives you, my hope for all of us is that we would live uh, in taste the pleasure of having a real, authentic, feelable relationship with Jesus. That we would have something genuine, that we would know what it means to follow him and love him. And this comes through this Loving his word and, and devotion to prayer. So we've been in this series about prayer. It's about this daily walk with him, about, about praying with him, about communicating with him. And it's from the strength of this relationship that flows everything else. It's how we're able to fight sin. It's how we are able to love people, how we're able to endure suffering, how we're to have a passionate uh, marriage, to have meaning, to have clarity, to have purpose. And again, prayer is how we walk out this daily relationship with God and we draw our strength. Now, Prayer, uh, most of the time, one day of prayer is going to look pretty much like any other day of prayer. It's just going to be, it's just like any relationship. And you know, your relationship, you think about the people you're close to over the past year. I mean, you can't distinguish, you know, one day um, from the other day. I mean, there's every once in a while, there's a few days, and we won't talk about those days. But, you know, there's pretty much there are, it is, it's how that, that works. And, and prayer is the same. But there are moments or even seasons of life uh, in the Christian, where prayer takes on a new intensity, and that's what fasting is all about. So, in the Lord's Prayer, actually, fasting is not a part of the Lord's Prayer, but it's kind of tied right, uh, right next to it, and that's important because the Lord's Prayer is something that we do every day. I mean, every day we need to come with adoration and worship of to our Father. Every day we need to pray His kingdom come. We, every day we need to pray His will, not our will, but we want His will to invade our, our life, and we need to pray every day for our needs. We are dependent on him, that we come to him for our daily bread. We don't go to anything else for our daily bread. We come to him. And every day, every day, we confess our sins. We come to him and say, God, this is where I messed up. As I approach you, as I get closer and closer to you, as the light of you shines brighter in my life, man, I'm noticing things I never noticed before. And I want to confess those things to you. You know what? And I want to forgive. This is an opportunity to forgive. And by the way, if you're not forgiving people daily, um, then you may not be forgiving. Because we need to forgive people. This. So those, those are things that we want to pray every day, but you don't fast every day. That's a great opportunity for amen. Like, you don't, fa- you don't fast every day. But it is a unique opportunity. It's a unique invitation from God, not a command of God. It's an invitation from God to enter some pretty cool things. And uh, when, I, when I read these verses, I got a little bit of a punch in the stomach. And I'll explain why. Uh, because usually when it comes to my sermon prep, I'm a couple weeks, if not a couple months ahead in terms of like what I generally want to say. But since September, it's just been really busy. And I've been, you know, like sometimes you're like 
paycheck to paycheck in your life. I'm like Sunday to Sunday in my life. So, so it wasn't until this week that I opened up and said, hey, God, what do you want? What do you want to say? What do you want to say? So I opened up the Bible. And I got to the verses that we had scheduled out. And I read, and when you fast, and I, I couldn't get past when. In fact, when I read it, it was just like, when, 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 when. Like, it just never hit anything. It just kept echoing out. Like, as if God was saying to me, yeah, yeah, when do you fast? And I began to think, like, well, it's been a while. And then I thought, like, well, when have I preached on fasting? And um, I couldn't quite remember. When, when have I led the church or asked the church to fast um i mean i know we've hinted at it uh, you know but whenever really led the church to do this and um sadly like i just couldn't really think it's been a really really long time so i want to start off this message um by apologizing to you i am sorry for not talking about this more because um I want, I want you to know the whole counsel of God. I want you to believe everything this book says you are, I want you to believe that you are that. Everything this book says you can have, I want you to have it. Everything this book says you can experience, I want you to experience. And I'm not talking about this, so I, I'm sorry. Um, I feel like I've let you down as a leader in this area. And it's not my intention to do that. And I, I just could not get past when. I mean, I know the other verse said some other things, but I just couldn't get past when you fast. It's this invitation from God to experience. To say, God, I'm, I, I know you don't, I don't have to do this. You know, you're not going to love me more if I do this. You're not going to love me less if I do this. But this is an invitation from you to say, Lord, I'm breaking out of my normal routine. This is like, you know, if you've got a marriage, this is like your anniversary. It's not just, you know, you talk all the anniversary. It's a special day. God, I'm breaking out of my normal routine, and I want to do something unique. I'm going to come to you in a unique way. I'm going to come to you uh, in a different way to break away the dependence I have on food, and I want to grab a hold of my dependence on you, and I want to get before you, and I want to pray, and I want to cry out to you for some things. And I just began just to look at the Bible last week about all the places where it talks about fasting. And the more I read, the more I, I actually, uh, it was exciting, but my soul got deeper because I was like, man, there's amazing things happen when you draw to God in this way, when you fast, when you come before him. And I, and I was sad about the past, but I got excited about the future because when you begin to read about all the things that the Bible talks about when it talks about fasting, it talks about having this massive breakthrough in your life. Like the Christian life is this day-to-day thing, but there is these moments of breakthrough. And breakthrough just means a dramatic discovery or development, a sudden dramatic discovery or development. There's moments where God takes you from day-to-day with him, and, and I want to celebrate that. But there are moments where he just he takes you to a new Level. We see all throughout the Bible. Let me show you just a few examples. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel, of course, he found himself in some bad situations. The lion's den and a few others. And there was a moment where uh, there was 
uh, these spiritual things in the life of God's people that they just couldn't get through. And so he, Daniel says, Then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting. And then they broke out of there and they were heading back. And there's a guy named Ezra who wrote a, a book of, of the Bible called Ezra. And he, he was, they were under attack and they were praying, they were worried, he was worried about their safety. So it says, so we fasted and implored our God for this, that he would listen to our entreaties. So they felt pressed in, they felt um, this threat of, of their own life and so they fasted and they prayed. And then here's another example, here's a New Testament example, they just needed church direction. You know, church needs direction, church needs to know uh, and there are things that, you know, we, we, there are things that we want to do as a church collectively. And sometimes uh, you just hit a brick wall and you can't get through it. And there's a T in the road. Well, this is what they did. While they were worshiping, they were, ador- you know, they were in their adoration mode. Our Father in heaven, your kingdom, not mine. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit gave them the answer. Hey, here's what you should do. So they were, at, they were at crossroads. They were at a T. They needed a breakthrough in direction, in spiritual direction. And this could happen in church. It could be in your life. What do I do, Lord? What do I do, Lord? Well, one of the things that we can do is we can come before him and we can pray and we can fast. And I began to read these verses. I just began to think about my own life. There are things in my own life um, because I've noticed and quite frankly other people notice that just come up in my life over and over again. And, and I, I think I'm making some progress. But I was like, am I making sudden dramatic development in this area? I began, man, I need breakthrough in this area. I begin to become aware of my own needs, um, where I want to make progress. And I, I thought about the church. I thought about the areas of the church where we're just like, man, it just feels like we've been coming up against this for a couple of years, and like we can't seem to get through. And then, and then I began to think about you. I began to think about your individual lives. And uh, you think we don't know, but we know. We know everything about you. And um, thank you, Facebook. And so we, uh, um, you put it out there. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. If you're going to put it out there, I'm going to pick it up. So we, uh, no, anyway, so there, there are situations that we, you know, I just, sickness, cancer, um, Crohn's, diabetes, chronic health issues, um, wanting to get pregnant, not getting pregnant, um, financial issues, marriage, marriages on the brink. There are marriages in this church um, that feel like they're on their last leg. There are people who feel like they're on their last leg with God. Maybe you even came in here today like, God, I'll give you two more Sundays you're like on your last leg. Your faith is, your, your faith in God, is God good, is, is waning. You need a spiritual breakthrough. Some of you need a marriage breakthrough. Some of you need a financial breakthrough. Some of you need a marriage breakthrough. You need a relationship breakthrough. Some of you need breakthrough with your friends. Some of you need breakthrough with your kids. You know, you need a breakthrough before you break them. Um, you need a breakthrough. And I just begin to think about that. And there's just, there's all kinds of struggles. I mean, there's, I can think about, so there are legal struggles in this church. There are financial struggles. There's addictions in this church. If there's a struggle to be had, 
You can find it at Jubilee Church. And some of you think you're all alone in that. I just want, A, I just want you to know you're not alone in your struggle. All throughout this church, you'll find people struggling with some pretty hefty things. And I began to, to feel this in a way that I, I, I don't usually feel it on an individual level. I mean, we pray for you generally every week. But just begin to think about this on an individual level. And if I was reminded me of in, in Joel 1 where it talks about these locusts come in. You got to love it. You know, Old Testament uses all these images. These locusts come in. They begin to eat away at the crops, begin to eat away at lives. And sometimes it feels like that. It feels like, you know, there's this force coming in. It's just eating away at your life. It's eating away at your happiness. It's eating away at your relationships. It's eating away at your marriage. It's eating away at your faith. It's eating away at your finances. And so what do they do? Well, in Joel chapter 1, they call the fast. Call solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants, all the members of the church, of the land, to the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord. So here's what we're going to do. Um, all the elders next week and, and the staff, on next Tuesday, we're going to fast next Tuesday. And here's what we're going to fast for. We're going to fast for you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out your communication card. And we're not done. I know I've trained you like Maslow. To, I mean, you're like already like salivating for lunch. It's not over. It's not over. Stay with me. I still got my sales pitch, but I want to get you to... I'm going to ask you to buy before I... Anyway. Um, so on the top right there, um, it, says, I, uh, it says, I need a breakthrough, and, and it has a blank there. Would you, would you be courageous enough and honest enough to write down that area where you need a breakthrough? Whether it's a health, a relationship, a marriage, a financial spiritual, faith, whatever, would you write that down? Would you say, this is where I need a breakthrough? And then right underneath this, it says, I want the elders and staff to pray for me this Tuesday. And we're going to do that. We're going to fast, all the elders and staff. We're going to fast next week. And we're going to pray for you. And we're not just going to pray for you generally. And we're not even just going to pray for you by name. We're going to pray for you about this issue of breakthrough. If you'll write it down, if you'll write down, this is where I need a breakthrough. The elders and staff, we're going to pray for you. And here's the last thing. Here's something you can do. You can join in with us. And by joining in with us, I, I, you, you go about your normal day. Um, you know, if you go to school, if you go to work, if you stay at home, whatever it is, go about your normal day, fast those meals and pray for your own personal breakthrough. Pray for, generally for the church and if you've got community group um, members that you know issues of their life, pray for them as well. But we can pray together. How would you like to have 800 people praying for you? Well, the only way we're going to get 800 is if we all do it. And so I want to invite you to do that. And I want you to keep out that card because some of you aren't convinced. I can tell because you've been looking at me the whole time. You can at least pretend that you're writing on it, by the way. <laughs> like it's not like... I mean, just look, look down. I mean, if you're not going to write, just look down. Just pretend. But it helped my confidence. Um, but as we're going on, you may, you may feel, as, as I talk through what I believe God would want to bring in your life, maybe you're, maybe you're be full of faith and courage because, you know what, I do, want, I do want the elders to pray for me. And we will, specifically. And you know what? I'm going to do this. And we put, 
on our on our website or not our, it's on our website um, our app we may put it on the website and we'll mail this to you if we have your email we'll mail it we'll email this to you excuse me um, I'm not gonna mail uh, we'll email and um, and so we can give you a simple guide to fasting it has some helpful tips about length of fast how to fast your schedule um, you know how to you know rest how, how to know what's going on you know some things are going to happen to your body that'll be normal and and the main thing i want to say about fasting is please please chew gum or mint because your breath is going to get really bad and so um that's just for your neighbor and so that's for you and, and so if you if you're on our if you have if we have your email we'll, we'll email you by the way if we use a mail server called mailchimp which means that you're if you have gmail uh if you don't have gmail um i don't why not but if you do, I don't understand that, but if you do have Gmail, um, they want to make your life better by, by filtering out anything that might be a promotion. And so they're going to see this as a promotion. We're trying to help you. They're trying to, I get they're trying to help you. So you're going to have to go in and say, hey, we're not a promotion. I, I want emails from Jubilee Church that comes through this server called MailChimp. So anyway, I know that was pretty inspiring little minute there. But we, um, so we want to send that to you. We want, we want you to join in with us. But we're going to pray for you. If you put this in, we'll pray for you whether you pray or fast or not. But I want to invite you to do that as well. Now, how do you do this? How can we prepare ourselves? What does this look like? Well, I want to look at uh, Philippians 4, uh, 6 through 7. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. We're going to, we're going to walk through the, a couple verses just to kind of prepare us on what we, we can expect. It. And we'll have it up here on, on the screen for us as well. But let me go ahead and read it, then I'll walk through a few things. It says, do not be anxious about what? Anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, prayer plus supplication plus thanksgiving, once that happens, then let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. So number one thing, when you've got this, when you feel like things are pressing in on you, you've got like, you need breakthrough, one of the things that you just need to do, the number, step number one, is just don't worry about anything. It's easy enough, just don't worry. Don't, stop worrying, what's the big deal? Hey, if you're like me, you're, you're, you're either regretful about something you've done in the past, or you're worrying about the future. Um, both away, eat away at your present. You spend a great deal of time doing that if you're like me. But here's what I've learned. Worrying is pointless. It's stewing without doing. It's a form of control that believes if I just worry enough about my kids, my kids will be better. If I just worry about my finance, I can somehow control what's going to happen there. If I just worry about my future, somehow I can make my future into something that I want it to be. It's a form of control. Um, and it's actually one of the most ungodly things you can do. Because actually, to worry is to focus on your fears instead of God. Worrying is functional atheism. Worry is, I know what's going to make me happy. I know what my future should be, and I'm worried that God won't get it right. Worrying is forgetting that you have a Father in Heaven who loves you and is working out all things for your good. So here's what I know. Whatever your situation is, the real threat is not your external circumstance. Whatever you wrote on that, your real threat is not your external circumstance. The real threat in your life is worry. You see, the battle that we're in is not a physical battle. 
We're in a, we're in a spiritual battle. Which I know sounds very spooky, very Stranger Things kind of deal, but like this is, this is a real thing. I, I know we're, we live in this, uh, the Western uh, worldview is a materialistic one. You know, you got to see it, hear it, taste it, touch it, or it doesn't exist. But our battle is not a physical battle. It is a spiritual battle. And our enemy, the devil, is like a terrorist. And what I mean by that is a terrorist's goal is not to destroy property. It's not even to kill a crowd of people. His goal is terror. His, terror, his goal is terror to strike fear in your heart that you might be next. And he takes away the enjoyment you have in eating dinner. He takes away the possibility of traveling it to this place or doing this thing. A terrorist goal isn't to take your life, it's to take your peace. And here's what I know. If your health is fading, the devil doesn't want to kill you. That's not his goal. I mean, he knows if he kills you, you're just going to fall into the loving arms of a Savior. If you're worried about your finances, your job, your career, whatever, he doesn't want your promotion. He, the devil's at the top of his industry. He's got the corner office. He doesn't want your promotion. He doesn't want your promotion. Here's what he wants. He wants your peace. The devil is after your peace. He's not after your money. He's not after your job. He's not after your kids. He's not after any of that. Here's what he's after. He's after your peace. He knows he can't do anything about your past. I mean, your past has been bought with the blood of Jesus, and there is no discrepancy on the price. Your sin was great. His grace was greater. The blood of Jesus is invaluable, and it was spilled out for you. And there's nothing he can do about that. He can't take away what God has saved you from, but he can destroy what God has saved you to. He can't touch your past and he can't touch your ultimate future, but he can do a whole lot with your present. And like a terrorist, he's not after, he doesn't want to kill you, he doesn't want to take your stuff. He wants to steal, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He wants to steal your peace. In the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in unlimited measure. And he wants to rob from you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Which he can't unless you let him. Anxiety and worry is not a signal that your life is getting bad or your situation is getting tough. Or you're, you know, my, my life needs to change. It's actually... An opportunity to refocus. So how does that happen? Well, worry, don't worry about anything, but here's how we do, here's how we get, because you can't, just can't say, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I mean, that didn't help. you got to refocus. you got to change the channel. You know, you know, you can't, you know, that's how, you got to change it. I don't know why I did that. When's the last time I've changed a channel like that? So you don't worry about anything, but you pray about everything. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now here's why we don't always cast our anxieties on him. Because we don't believe the second part. We don't do the first part because we don't believe the second part. That's functional atheism. We don't believe that we have a father in heaven who loves us. We're acting like orphans when God has adopted us into his family. He loves us. Let me give you some examples of when in the... The scriptures, when, when people felt pressed in and how they respond and how God broke through in their life. First one is David in First Chronicles 14, 9 through 11. You don't need to turn there. I'll just read it for you. It says, Now the Philistines had come and made a raid in the valley of Raphaim. Say Raphaim. Raphaim. 
See, I do, the, I do stuff like that, so I'm not the only one who looks stupid by my pronunciation. So now you're with me in it. So they're in the value of... Thank you. Maybe you feel like your enemy has a raid on your life, and you can, like David, you can name the place. He can name the place where the enemy had encircled him and enslaved him and, and come around him. Can you name the place? Will you name the place? Will you write that down in your card? This is where the enemy is encircling me. And so David inquired of God, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into um, my hand? Here's an important side note to what we're saying. Here, anytime you're facing a battle, it's always a good idea to ask God if you should fight this battle. If it's a legal battle, or a financial battle, a relational battle, health battle, it's a good idea to ask God. My wife and I, we were struggling. We, we were, have you ever filled out a will before? No? Jeez. Fill out your will. Um, Put me in it. Um, and so you, have, you get to the part where it's like it's all the health, the living will part, the health questions. You know, do you, you know, when you're like, it's pretty morbid. It's like when you, if you're like dismembered, you don't want this to happen. Like all this stuff, you have to think through. Like, really? Like, it's like, you know, do you want CPR? Do you want painkillers? Do you want surgery? Do you want, the, you know, do you want us to feed you? And I was like, well, if it's hospital food, just let me die. Like, I don't want, it's not worth living. But if you can like somehow put Kadoba in that tube, like I'll, I'll do that, but I don't want hospital food. So you're thinking about all these issues and just beginning to get stressed out, actually, about what we should put on, the, how, we're, how we want this to Because we know it's legally binding. Like, if we, you know, if something happens to us, to, you know, like, what do we want to happen? And so it's just like, man, why are we getting so anxious about this? Like, we need to pray about this. God, what would you want us to do? And any battle that you're in, you first need to ask God, are you... Are you in this? You want me to fight this battle. I'm having this relational problem. Will you do, is this even something I should bring up to them? Is this even something you want me to fight? Yeah, I know I got a good argument, but do you even want me to fight this battle? Because if you fight this battle and you haven't asked God if what he says, you are on your own. So if you're in a relational battle, if you've got an issue going on, a financial battle, um, think twice, pray thrice. Like, don't. Just rush into it. Say, God, is this something you even want me to fight? Well, David did that. He said, you want me to fight? And the Lord said to him, yeah, go do it. Go up, and I will give them into your hand. And he went up to Baal-perazim, and David struck them down here. And David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a bursting flood. Therefore, the name of this place is called Baal-perazim, which means the Lord has broken through. And that's what I want to happen in your life. There are things in your life that you will be able to rename the Lord has broken through. These, my marriage was just a trash heap, but the Lord has broken through. My relationships were terrible. My finances were terrible. My health was terrible. I believe that God is going to give you the victory and the ability to speak over whatever that is. This is where the Lord has broken through. And your life is going to be a shining testimony to the goodness of God. So prayer... That's, what I, and that's why the elders are doing this. That's why we're going to fast next week. That's why we're going to pray for you if you want us to. So it's prayer, but also know this word supplication. Supplication is asking from a king, but it's on bended knee or even prostrate. It's, just, it's a sign of humility. To, to come to God with supplication means you're coming in a place of humility and dependence, and that's where fasting comes in. Fasting is this real-life opportunity of dependency. You see, we want to be independent, depend, dependent on nothing. And uh, it's easy to believe that you're independent when your stomach full, is full, your bank account is full, and you're in a warm place. And 
But when you miss a meal or two and hunger pains begin to awaken your body's um, awareness that it depends on food for survival, this, this fasting reveals a physical reliance on food that points to an ultimate dependence on God. And fasting helps you to get to this humble place of like, I am in need. I, it, it, tell, it, it pulls off the illusion that you are in control. You're not self-sufficient. You're not self-sustaining. You need something outside of you to come inside of you. And fasting awakens our need for that. And that's what happened in Second Chronicles 20, 1 through 4. This is another story just like David. This is Jehoshaphat. How'd you like that name, Jehoshaphat? He probably never got picked on in school. Probably never, you think. Hey, fatty. Jehoshaphat. After this, the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Minuites, they had, so basically he was outnumbered. I mean, he wasn't just getting one enemy, he had three. You ever felt outnumbered? Like, it's just, like Brian, you're, you don't even have enough space on the card. You, you assume that I only need one area. Well, he needs multiple areas too. They were coming from beyond the sea. I mean, they didn't have maps back then. They're like, I don't know where these people are coming. I don't know where my problems are coming from. They're coming from all over the place. Land, by sea, by air, whatever. And this says Jehoshaphat was afraid. You know, it's, it's natural. It's natural to be alarmed the first time you hear you have cancer. It's natural to be alarmed the first time you get the pink slip at your work. Those are natural things. Life isn't about the deck you've been dealt. It's about how you respond to it. So what does he do? He says he set his face to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And that's what we want to do. We want to proclaim a fast. And the elders and staff, we're committed to this. We're committed to you. I I hope that you put that. I really am looking forward to praying for you individually by your area of breakthrough. And I want you to do that too. I want you to join in with us to take that day, set that aside next Tuesday, to fast, to pray for yourself, to pray for your church. And I believe God's going to do some things. I don't have time to finish this story, but i just tell you this part. So God, they didn't even have to fight the battle. I mean, they, God sent confusion amongst these groups of people, and in this valley, these three enemies just killed each other. And all the Israelites had to do, they just came in and picked up all the goodies. And it took them three days to gather up all the spoils. And what was known as a valley of battle became a valley of blessing. And again, I just believe this with all my heart. There there are going to be things in your life that you considered a battle that you're now going to call a blessing. God's going to give that kind of breakthrough. Your marriage was a battle, now it's a blessing. Your kids were a battle, or that kid was a battle, and now it's a blessing. Your job, your boss was a battle, but now it's a blessing. Your health was a battle, but now it's a blessing. God is going to take areas of your life that were a battle and contentious, and they're going to turn them into blessing. So Paul says, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Haven't gotten to the gimme part. God do this, God do this. We come with prayer. We come with this attitude of prayer, supplication, humility, and with thanksgiving. Again, Paul's just following this model of the Lord's Prayer that we went through the last seven weeks. It's adoration before petition. Uh, We don't have anxiety and pain because of our situation. You do not have anxiety and pain because of the thing that you're going through. You have anxiety and pain because of your perspective 
of whatever it is that you're going through. The reason why the Bible can say in multiple places, do not worry, do not be anxious. Jesus said it. Paul's saying it. The reason, because it's totally unnecessary. It says to give thanksgiving, not for all circumstances. That would be weird or unhelpful even. It says give thanks in all circumstances. There's not a situation that you face that you have, that you are doomed to be anxious about. In any situation, what God wants to do in your life, regardless of whatever you face, is he wants to take away the only thing that the enemy really wants for you or wants from you, and that is your peace. That is your peace. So Paul picks up and says, in everything, be filled with thanksgiving. Have an attitude of gratitude. And this is huge when it comes to breakthrough. Let me show you one. Let me show you something David said in Psalm 78. So how often did they provoke him in the wilderness, talking about the Israelites? And they grieved him in the desert. Yes, they turned back and tempted God, and they what? What's that word say? They limited God. Now, those, for those who are paying attention theologically, how in the world do you limit God? Because God is, well, he's all-powerful. He's limitless. He's unlimited. He's, um, you know, the, if you, you've heard the, the, the theologians called omni, uh, omnipresent, uh, omni, uh, omni, omnipotent, omnipowerful. Omni meaning all, potent meaning power. He's all-powerful. God is all-powerful. So how in the world can you limit an all-powerful God? Well, you can stop holding your breath because you can't. None of us can do anything to limit God. However, you can limit God's power in your life. You can't limit his power over all, but you can limit his power in your life. If you want to turn off the spigot of God's grace and power in your life, just don't be grateful. Just just keep complaining. Because that's what they did here. Check this out. They remembered not. They remembered not. Can you remember all the good things that God has done for you? If you can't, then you're probably not experiencing his power. You see, one of the things that uh, James says, he says that he gives grace, he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He opposes, he opposes the one who says, anything good in my life, I did that. Anything bad in my life, God, what are you doing? He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. To be grateful, to have an attitude of gratitude. So we can limit God when we're not grateful. And because he, want, he wants to show us. So we go back and we're like, God, you know, I, that's why we come in here and we worship from the very beginning. Because we come in here with our weak. We come in here with our problems. We come with our issues. We, need, we, don't, we get our eyes off ourselves. Not even in the Lord's Prayer do you start with, hey, this is where I've sinned, God. Doesn't he want you to start with your sin? He wants you to start with the amazingness of God. God's a Father in heaven who loves us. His kingdom is great. And we start off with adoration and worship and lifting up his name and remembering all the things that he's done. How he saved us. You know, this whole thing of breathing, like that's him too. And so like all the, everything that he's done, we have because of him. And these obstacles that we experience in the past that God has gotten us through 
are meant to fuel our faith for our prayer. Have you ever noticed when you look back at like things that we used to think were like really hard, like the eighth grade or something like that? And we're like, man, you know, it was just terrible. And then when you get, you know, like my kids right now, like my oldest is always like, oh, you think third grade is hard. Wait till you get in the, you know, like, you remember that? Now it's really easy, but now, you know, seventh grade, that's the grade until they get into 10th grade. Oh, that bad. See, David comes in. He's like, man, I killed a lion and bear. I can kill a Goliath. And God wants to put your focus back on what he's done, this gratitude of how he's brought you through things to fuel your faith for the present obstacle that you're in. And here's a, let me just let you on a secret. This obstacle that you're facing right now that seems massive, God's got a bigger one in your future. That he's going because see, he's taking you somewhere. He doesn't want to leave you where you're at. He wants to build you and grow you and turn you into something that you never thought you could be. You see, when you, when you pray prayers, when you get into this thing of like um, not gratitude and begin to limit God and wondering what he does, you just, you get into like praying like, God, if you can do this, God, if you can do that. But it's kind of like, you know, you kind of get into those God, if you can things, prayers, like God, I'm not really sure in your goodness. I'm not really sure that you can do this, but if you can, there's a moment in Jesus' life where that happened to him. There was a, 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 you can read about this in Mark 9, there was a boy who was just all messed up. And Jesus said, how long has he been like this? Have you ever come across a kid where you're like, man, how long has he been like that? Well, this is one of those kids. And he was, he was like, this guy, this kid was out of control. And, um, you know, the, the father was like, if you can do anything with him. And Jesus snaps back. What do you mean if I can do anything with him? What do you mean if I can? Of course I can. Do you, if you believe anything can happen. And then the father said something that I can relate to a lot, which is, I believe, but help my unbelief. You see, you'll go through seasons in your life, and by seasons I mean every day, where you will be tempted to believe what you see versus what God says. And God wants to bring you into this place of faith, and you cannot be in this place of faith if you forget what he's already done. And he doesn't want us to come with him like, hey, you know, if, we, if you can, he, he wants us to come in believing. And here's the good news. He's, if, we, if we need faith, we can ask for it. And I love that father who said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And maybe that's where you're at today. I believe that God can do this, but I still have doubt. Well, God wants to address that doubt in your life.